Okay, so how many of you uh, own the game or have owned the game of life in the past? Don't be ashamed, raise it up. Okay, now, okay, you ready for this? How many of you, when you have played, you take the college path? You know, that's the route you go. How many of you, it's like, no, I'm going to get to work, we're going to take the career path, we're going to start making money. Okay, how many, every time you play, you can't make the decision and you're always stuck. Which way should I go? Well, it's so good to have you here today. Uh, my name is Casey, and it is an honor and a privilege uh, to be together uh, with you today. And for those of you who are new with us, we are so honored in, uh, to have you here. As Joe mentioned, we do have a gift for you, and we love to give you that gift as uh, our guest today. If you'll make your way across the lobby into our welcome center, our host will be there. They'd love to give you that. And in less than four minutes, they'd love to share with you about four things of who we are as a church family. Uh, and so please do that after the service. For those of you that are watching online, uh, we are so grateful to share this time with you wherever you are. And if you're new with us, they're posting a link to a connect card. Click that link, fill it out. And we'd love to send you a gift for being with us. Uh, now, Westside, would you help me uh, let everyone watching online and those new in the room know how, well, how glad we are to share this time with them? Will you do that? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, uh, Cassie, my wife, sent me a podcast. She shared this podcast with me where Ed Stetzer was being interviewed. Ed Stetzer is now the Dean of Theology at Biola University. And in this interview, Dr. Stetzer was, he, he said something that just made Cassie and I just kind of stop. He said, we're not wired for celebrity. And I don't even remember what else he was talking about, but when he said that, it just, I, it just, I stopped and it's, that statement stuck out to Cassie and I. We are not wired for celebrity. And she and I started talking about this and, uh, and, and we started talking about how true this is. You know, the celebrity mentality, it has, it, it's what drives so many people. And the celebrity mentality, it, what, it, it's what has ruined so many people. Now, I want you to be honest with yourself. After all, I say this often, if you can't be honest with yourself, with whom can you really be honest? So will you admit to yourself, and now you don't have to admit to me, you don't even have to admit, admit to God, at least right yet. <laughs> will you admit to yourself that there is something in you that desires fame? That there's a little desire in you to be famous. Just think about that. Just think about that. The desire, there's a desire in you to be famous. Is it there? Because I believe this. There is a de deep desire in all of us for fame. There's a deep desire in all of us to be known. We have this innate desire for, pe for people, for others to know who we are. It's a desire to be acknowledged for what we've done. It's, been, it's an, a desire for some. That, that, that desire has a broader landscape than others. And this desire is in, in every one of us. And it's in everyone around us. You can't open social media, you can't open a social media platform without being flooded with people trying to become either YouTube or TikTok famous. <laughs> you know, a little over two months ago, I substitute taught in our intermediate, Leavenworth uh, Intermediate School, and I asked the class of fifth graders, 
what success is to them. I wanted to know what success was to them. So I asked them, and one, they were sharing their, what the success is, and, and one kid blurted out, to be famous. And he blurted it out. And, and, I, and I said, thank you, like I did to everyone, thank you for sharing, but this one I couldn't let go. And I said, but don't you think someone can be successful without being famous? And he got riled up. In fact, I think he got frustrated with me. He goes, no, that's why I'm going to be a YouTube influencer and be famous. Because you can't be successful unless you're famous. No lie, that's exactly what he said. And I politely replied, well, I appreciate your opinion, but I disagree. (laughs) And he continued to be upset with me and my answer. And so this fifth grader continued to make his argument that one can be successful and one cannot be successful unless they're famous. (laughs) You know the reality of what's in that fifth grader? is a reality of the mentality that's in many. Fame equals success. And now maybe you don't want to be YouTube or TikTok famous, but maybe you're working so hard to gain the approval of a parent. Or you're working so hard to gain the approval or the affirmation of a spouse. Or maybe you're trying to gain the recognition of a colleague or someone in your past. You're seeking to be made known. See, we can see the pursuit of fame in all of those around us, but it is difficult to recognize it within us. Cassie and I just began to point this out to our kids. We began to point this out. Hey, we weren't made for celebrity. And you know, once you see something, you, you, you see it everywhere. I used to own a yellow Ford Escape. I've told you this before. And I, once I owned a yellow Ford Escape, I knew I, I, I could see it anywhere. I, I could see it. I could walk in a parking lot and see all of them. Before that, they didn't exist. And we began to see these stories popping up everywhere. Stories, uh, current stories uh, of famous people today who were in the news, men and women, young and old, pursuing fame but ruining their lives. Ordinary people like you and me, not even famous people, but people pursuing fame. And every time, the reason they would make the news stories is because they were ending up with broken dreams, broken careers, broken relationships, and some even ruining their lives, even ending their life. And every one of these stories and others, there was something else present shame not just guilt shame shame is harder and more difficult to identify than our desire for fame and it's even more difficult to admit our shame see we are inclined to carry shame it's our inclination and shame is this feeling of, 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 or a mindset, if you will, that we are unlovable and that we cannot belong. It's this feeling that we do not belong and therefore because we do not belong, we believe we cannot belong. Now, shame and guilt are two different things. Shame is much different than guilt. I can be guilty but not carry shame. 
And guilt is knowing I did something bad. Shame is believing I am bad. Shame is deeper. It goes deeper within us. It's more devastating to us. And we're going to talk more about this in the next couple of weeks, that you can be guilty and not carry shame, and how you can do this. And we can identify when shame is present in our lives, and this is how you can identify when it's present in your life. When there's something you want to conceal, not reveal. That's where shame is present. Earlier last year, uh, in the early parts of last year, I was meeting with a gentleman in our church who was going through a difficult time. In, in this situation of the relationships he was in, he, he was guilty. But the situation was causing him to go into that shell of shame. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you've been there. You, it, it's at, like a turtle just hunching back, covering up, and hiding what's inside in fear that being a vulnerable and exposing uh, their insecurity or their wrongness and is going to hurt them. It's going to be the death of them. See, that's the fear of being transparent. The fear of being transparent is that it's going to hurt us, not heal us. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit just burdened my heart. And I looked at this man and I said, You are not built to carry that shame. Nor will you, were you built for fame. Don't play that game. I know it's sad. I talk in rhymes to people all the time. My poor kids. But it's seriously what I said, okay? Um, and it stuck with me. And I began to think about that. I began, Cassie and I began talking about this. And as we began to reflect on this, we began to see how these two vices, shame and fame, are slowly destroying our humanity. See, fame breaks us, it doesn't make us. The pursuit of fame is a path toward destruction every single time. We are only fools to pursue fame because we think, because we think fame will make us. See, fame only breaks us, it never makes us. And shame, shame neglects you. It never protects you. When we put on this hard shell and we put those walls up and we seclude ourselves, isolating ourselves and, and keeping people from seeing what's inside and, and from exposing what's vulnerable inside, it doesn't help me. It doesn't heal me. It only keeps everything that's within and it's like a toxic cancer inside that destroys me from the inside out. And eventually, those who conceal their shame become the ones who cast shame on others. Concealing that hurt causes you to hurt others. Now, we need to identify what is then at the root of this. What is at the root of our pursuit of fame? What's at the root of our feelings of shame? Well, I believe there's some common denominators in our root, uh, our pursuits of fame and our feelings of shame, our responses to our insecurities. It's a response to an insecurity that I have. Your insecurity is what drives you to seek fame. 
Because you're not secure, you're not content, you desire to be acknowledged, you need recognition, you need the approval, your insecurity is what makes you compete for the admiration of your colleagues, it makes you compete for the popularity in your classroom, it makes you compete for the recognition that you desire. Because you're insecure. Insecurity is also what makes you feel shame. It, what, it's what makes you want to protect shame about how you look because you're insecure in how your body is. It's a shame in how much money you make because you're insecure with the money you have. It's a sh- uh, insecurity in, in all your inadequacies because of what you don't have and what maybe others have. Or it's an insecurity because of the way you've been hurt and you're not strong. You don't want others to see that. See, our insecurities cause us to be jealous. Our insecurities cause us to be jealous of the admiration, the popularity, the security, or the support that others have. And in that jealousy, in that insecurity, then we lash out and we compete. And then we seek to compete with others to have what they have, but not just that. We believe that we will only be secure when we have it and they don't have it or cannot have it. And that root even goes deeper. See, the pursuit of fame and the feeling of shame are the outcomes of sin's curse on humanity. This is described for us clearly in the Genesis narrative. The accuser, Satan, who is a real being, mind you. He's not just a figment of some imagination, someone who just populates the pages of some ancient text. He is real, and he is a, depicted in Genesis as a sneaky serpent, a sneaky snake. And so if you've got your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 3 with me. And as you turn there, I want you to know something. Satan hates God. He absolutely hates God. He cannot defeat God. He's never had power over God. And because he can't have any power over God, Satan goes after what is most important to God. You. He goes after humanity. Because he cannot do anything to overpower God. And this is why Satan goes after you. This is why Satan goes after me. And this is why in Genesis 3, he goes after all of this. And we see here, not just why he does it, just because he hates God. We see how he does it. And we need to be keen on this. And Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it. Or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. I want you to underline those three words, highlight those three words. (laughs) You're going to be like God, knowing good 
and evil. In other words, hey, God knows it, and he doesn't want you to know it. He doesn't want you to know that when you eat it, you will be like him. You will be like God. And this is so important. You've got you to gotta know this. In fact, this is really at the core of all of us and, and the problems of all the world, mind you. See, at this moment, Satan play, made a play on humanity's desire to be like God. Did you know every human being, every one of us were created and, and we have this innate desire to be like God. This is God's gift to you. He gave you this desire to be like God. However, instead of being like God, Satan twists this and tempts the idea that humanity can be God. You now can be the judge of what is good and evil. After all, to be judge is to be God. We continue to read in verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for the food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. You know, the reality is they've been naked this entire time. But now that they disobeyed God, sin conceived shame. And trying to be God... They fell short of the image of God and they experienced shame. That is why they hid themselves from each other. That is why they gathered the fig leaves, whatever they could find to hide themselves from God. Because that's what shame does. See, shame is the result of our sinful brokenness and being disconnected from God and others. We don't believe God. We don't believe Him. We don't believe His Word. Did God really say? We don't believe that we can be forgiven. We don't believe that we can be loved. We don't believe that God wants us and He chose us. We don't believe the things He says about us, so we hide from God. We deny the truth of who He is. And the reality is that they just weren't hiding from God. They were hiding from each other. See, shame makes us isolate ourselves from one another. It makes us want to stay home, stay closed, stay, stay, close the doors, get in our shell, find the fig leaves, do whatever we can to isolate ourselves because we don't want ourselves to be exposed. And we hide ourselves from others. We think, if you really knew this about me, if, 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 if you wouldn't want them to be with me, you may even then reject me. We get into our shell and we hide from one another. 
That's the power of shame. It makes us feel we have no place to belong or a people that will accept us. They're only going to reject us. And shame will keep you in this mindset that you are unlovable. It's toxic to our lives. And it's just what Satan wants in us to destroy us. We go on to verse 11. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from that tree I commanded you not to eat from? Now, God knew he just needed man to confess. The man said, he doesn't confess. You know what he does? Naturally, when you're ashamed, you cast blame. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit of the tree and I ate it. She goes to blame the serpent. Instead of confessing, we blame. Who told you? Who told you you were naked? In other words, that's not what I created you to experience. You were not built to know you were naked. You were not built to know shame. You were not built to pursue fame. See, we are not built for fame or shame. As Cassie and I began to talk about this in this season last year, we began saying this often to our kids. We were not built for fame. We were not built for shame. We would call it out when we'd see these two vices trying to, trying to creep in into their lives. We would say you're not built for shame. And in and, and reality, you are not built for shame. You and I all are not built for shame. And, and, and shame is the result of us being broken. And you're not built for fame. You were created for so much more. But our enemy has influenced our world to make a game out of fame. And a game out of shame. And no one wins in life's toxic game of fame and shame. The end of this game is always the same for those who play. Because those who play this game cannot and will not experience the life and the freedom that God truly wants for them. Just like Adam and Eve could not and did not get to experience the freedom and the life God truly wanted for them. We were not created to play this toxic game of fame and shame. So for what then was humanity created? For what then are you created? Well, in the opening words of Genesis, we discover something so powerful that you need to know about you. And you need to know about all those around you. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 7, 27, we read, So God created mankind in his own image. You need to underline that, highlight that. As it's repeated, identify it. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then look at verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You 
and everyone around you. You were made in God's image. And in that image, there's a blessing. There's a blessing in reflecting God's image. And there's a curse in neglecting God's image and wanting to be God. See, there's a blessing in reflecting his image and there's a curse in trying to make a name for myself. See, you were not created to be like God. I mean, you weren't created to be God. You were created to be like God, reflecting his image. You were not created to be God. We got to remember this. Instead of being like God, you know what Satan wants in this humanity? Satan wants humanity to have all of these desires to be God. He wants every one of us to be God. And wants us to seek this desire. Say, and, and, and when we want to be God, you need to know this. When you want to be God or you start taking the place of God, you destroy the image of God in you. And as we find out later in the book of Exodus, God will not allow or have, uh, allow anyone to have any God before him. Becomes the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Even me. I cannot be God. That includes making myself God. Because I was not built for this. We were not created to have the fame of God. This, there is a curse in that pursuit. There is no blessing there. And we were, not carry, we were not created to carry the shame of falling short of the image of God. Because that's where shame is. Shame is when we fall short of the image of God that he created us to have. We were created... You were created for so much more. And God knew that your fig leaves and the things that you try to hide behind, the achievements you try to pursue, the people you try to please, the admiration you try to seek, the, the, the things that you try to cover and the insecurities that are inside that you don't want anybody else to see and the times that you do this to try to fix your shame and pursue a name for yourself, you could not fulfill and satisfy the deep longings that you have. You could not do that. It only perpetuates the problem. Only God could fix this. See, God wanted to heal our brokenness from our shame, and God wants to satisfy this bottomless desire that you and I have for love and this bottomless desire that you and I have for belonging. And God wants to satisfy the brokenness of the bottomless desire to be recognized and to be made known. So God would work his plan and he would choose a man named Abraham, turning Abraham into a massive nation of people. God would call this nation named Israel to be set apart for one purpose so that the Messiah, God, could come into this world to deliver all of humanity and could come into our humanity to redeem our broken and sinful humanity. But Israel... As we read through this Old Testament, 
The Old Testament is a narrative of Israel failing over and over and over again. Israel dealt with the shame of falling short of God's image. Israel struggled with the desire to be famous, to make a name for themselves and be powerful like all the other nations. Just like I wrestle with this and like you wrestle with these two vices. See, we desire fame in some way. And we wrestle with shame in some way. And God speaks to the nation of Israel in a very remarkable way through the prophet Isaiah. And in this, as I read this, while this is to the nation of Israel, this has been preserved for you. And as I read this, I want you to hear God not talking to Israel. I want you to hear God talking to you. And this is what God would say through the prophet Isaiah. But now... This is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. I want to say that again, and I want you to put your name in that place because God's speaking this to you. This is what the Lord says to you. He who created you, Matt, he who formed you, Rebecca, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight. And because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Can you hear God's cry for you? Can you hear God in the garden of your life going, where are you? Why are you trying to make a name for yourself? Why are you covering up your shame for yourself. It's a cry that he has for those who are lost, who have no place of belonging. It's his cry for those of us who are broken and feel like they've done too much or too much has been done to them that God must not or cannot love them. It's a cry to those who are trying to cover their shame with the shell of life or trying to find any possible fig leaf to not expose themselves, to let any other person see them in fear. That will only hurt them more. It's a cry for those who are hiding because we're insecure. It's a cry, it's his cry for those who are out there wanting to make a name for yourself but will never be satisfied with anything you'll ever do, and you'll only be craving so much more. God is crying out 
Bring me my sons. Bring me my daughters, all who are called by my name. Stop trying to make a name for yourself. You were made in my image. Stop trying to change that image. Be okay that you fall short and find Jesus. Look at him. He's the one who redeems that image inside of you. I made you. He wants to tell you, I formed you for my glory, not your glory. You were not made for your glory. I was not made for my glory. That is not my origin nor your origin story. We were created to glorify God. And when we pursue fame, trying to make a name for ourselves, we don't glorify God and it breaks us. And when we hide in our shame and we neglect or we do not let God take our shame, we'll feel lost, abandoned, disconnected, unloved. And we were not created for that. You were created for so much more. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this series. See, here's the series big idea. We were not built for fame or shame, but to glorify God and be satisfied in Him forever. You were built to reflect God's image. And when you reflect God's image, when you reflect the image of God that you were created to reflect, you glorify God. And when you reflect God's image, you're longing, those cravings, those desires to belong, to be accepted, to be, be, to be acknowledged, to be known, to have a name. You receive that name because you carry his. Don't play life's toxic game of fame and shame. Play a different game. Live a life that pursues glorifying God. And everything you think, say, and do, learn to live a life where you can be satisfied because it's in this life that glorifies God that you will truly be satisfied in God forever as you pursue to reflect the image of God that Jesus brings to you. And it's a gift that you can receive. God wants to fill every longing of your heart, every desire, every craving, everything inside of you that makes you want to pursue fame, everything inside of you that wants you to pursue belonging or connection. He wants to fulfill every one of those needs. But you have to trust Him. Don't give in and play that toxic game of fame and shame because Satan wants you to play that game. Satan wants you to pursue fame and experience shame because both destroy God's image in you. But you can do what Adam and Eve couldn't do. You can trust God. You can believe Him. And I want you to remember the opening words of Isaiah 43.1. For those of you that don't feel loved today, you feel disconnected, there's a longing for this, I want you to hear God calling you today. And for those who are seeking admiration, you're seeking success somewhere out, trying to make a name for yourself, you're looking for the approval of someone, you're just trying to be acknowledged. I want you to hear something today. 
I want you to listen to this verse of Isaiah again. Don't give in to the voices, the narratives that say, did God really say? Don't give in to those voices that say, go to those vices. This is what God says about you. And listen to his voice as he says this to you. Do not fear. For I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are my do you hear that? Don't grasp for the fig leaves and try to work for your own fame. You have a name in him when you bear his name. Don't try to cover your own shame and, and, and try to search for belonging and, and, and think that it's not even possible. God calls you by name. He knows your name and he says, come, come. Come, the king is calling you to his banquet table. He says, come, you have a place of belonging in my family. God knows your name. See, God wants you to know that he knows your name and that you are his. So do you need to stop playing this toxic game? Do you need to stop making a name for yourself? Is this where you're at today? And you just need to, man, think about this and process this. And you need, to, you need to recognize that this is the game you're playing. Or do you need to get rid of the fig leaves and the shell that you've been hiding other, trying to protect yourself? And you need to respond to God calling your name and saying, you are mine. If so, I invite you to respond to God's call to you today to embrace that you are his. Embrace what he says about you. Embrace that he knows your name. And that's the most important thing that matters. And today we remind ourselves of how God has redeemed us by restoring his image in us. And God demonstrated his love for you by sending Jesus to redeem you through his suffering and his death and his resurrection for you. And when you and I receive Jesus as our Savior and we follow him as our Lord, God restores his image in you. And communion reminds us of what God has done to redeem us. So in a moment, I'm going to pray. After I pray, I'm going to invite you to come forward, receive your elements. I'm going to ask you to stand in a moment, to exit out your left. You're going to come forward, grab your elements from our host, hold on to those elements and return on your right side. And as you come today, will you think about what part of this game you need to stop? Are you pursuing fame or are you trying to cover up in shame? And will you receive what God has for you? Will you receive Jesus? And will you seek to glorify him. Will you make that your prayer? Will you bow your heads with me, Father? There are so many listening to this trapped in this game. Trying to make a name for themselves. There are many trapped in the shame that is insulating them and isolating them from everyone else and what you want for them. And it's keeping them from hearing your voice and your call. So I ask that they hear that right now. Receive this truth. That through Christ's work, you have redeemed them. You have summoned them by their name. They are yours. May they know that their name 
is made when they glorify your name. And may they have all the fulfillment they need in that. And may they find a place of belonging at your table because they are yours. In Jesus' name, amen.